0: Okay, am I giving you a countdown?
1: Scott yeah. English gives me hope.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Twenty-four years as a politician and became the executive director of stamps without any being a stamp collector. Oh, I like it. That's I
2: like true,
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ex- hey, come on. Actually, look at
1: look at the level I've become, or well, ask Scott the level that I've become. He may have an, a bit different opinion than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but how? But how? you know, being an expert for however many years I've been doing it now and where I'm at, having not been a collector prior. Yep. Well, when I
2: first met Scott, he had just joined the APS as executive director, and I asked him what he collected, and he got all offended (laughs) (laughs) because he didn't collect anything, and he wasn't going to collect anything, and he was just, "Ah, why do people keep asking me that? I'm not gonna collect anything. It was so funny, and then now to to hear him be so proud of his his Cuba collection, it it was uh it was pretty good. It's a lot of a lot of change there, a lot of growth. Cool. That's cool. Well,
0: yeah.
2: I'm putting this but at no. the front,
1: so now that that's the tease for people. So you have to listen to find
0: out what Scott is talking about.
1: Oh yeah. There mm-hmm. you go. You want to well, do a countdown?
0: Okay, I'll do a countdown. What are we doing afterwards going home what are we doing after that
1: uh staying in i eat at soup plantation so i'm not hungry oh got that gave you a smile didn't you? <laughs> that's
0: true well i'm so uptight and tense anyways I, i'm on a liquid diet yeah preferably red <laughs> <laughs> Or white or Chardonnay. Oh, it doesn't matter at this point. I'm just like.
1: Oh, that was the horrible uh, uh, family guy. They went into prison and they said, everybody makes. uh,
0: Oh, don't go there. Oh, it's going to hit my gag reflex.
1: (laughs) No, don't. (laughs) Okay.
0: y'all. don't. I had to walk out of the room. I couldn't deal with it. It was just. Oh.
1: Okay. Don vetoed my story.
0: I did veto it strongly vetoed
1: and you can all thank her because it probably deserved to get vetoed
0: it it will hit your gag reflex and it's just nasty let me count it down five four three two one
3: hi this is scott english i'm the executive director of the american philatelic society and you're listening to stamp show here today
0: look at them madam have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful
2: I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps.
0: Oh. Oh, 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 oh,
3: This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps.
0: Oh, like stamp collecting. Now that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm
3: so terribly lonely. All right, Homer! You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you.
2: From Spain and two from Japan, I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan, I got a planet from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan.
1: Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.
0: Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode 119. I'm Cash, and
1: starting with this episode, we're giving a 100% satisfaction money back guarantee. I'm Scott,
2: and I like to be a raconteur. <laughs> this is Tom.
0: And I'm your host, Don. And I'm mad because my credit card got hacked this week twice. But at least it was donut day. Friday Donut Day. Friday is Donut Day. Save the day. It's the only reason to go to the office. This show, we are putting Scott's number 798 and 2360 into the stamp show Here Today Museum. These two U.S. Constitution stamps were chosen because way back in 1992, the 27th Amendment came up for ratification and was finally ratified on May 5th next month after a whopping 202-year, seven months, and 10 days wait. The amendment was originally proposed in 1789, and it reads as follows. No law, varying the compensation for the services of the senators and representatives, shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. That means that Congress can't just vote themselves. (laughs) They can vote their... Blah. Their
2: follow on mm-hmm. people a raise, but they can't vote themselves a raise. So if you get reelected, does that mean you get the raise?
1: Yep, after two. Well, then, <laughs> then you voted yourself a raise. Yep. <laughs>
2: and this says but you they can't. Were,
1: but they, th- I think that they didn't plan on people serving like 27 terms.
2: Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but by
1: 1992, they probably knew better.
0: Well, back in the 1780s, several states raised the issue of congressional salaries, and they debated whether to ratify it in the 1787 Constitution. This proposed amendment was totally forgotten until Gregory Watson, an undergraduate at the University of Texas at Austin, wrote a paper on the subject in 1982. Watson received a C-grade on his paper from his professor, who regarded his idea as unrealistic. Angry at his grade and delivering the greatest I told you so moment in poli sci class history, Watson began a letter writing campaign in early 1982. He was aware of ratification by six states, including Ohio, which had approved it in 1873 as a means of protest against the Salary Grab Act. Wyoming had done the same in 1978 as a protest against a congressional pay raise and that Kentucky ratified the amendment way back in 1792. In April 1983, Maine became the first state to ratify the amendment as a result of Watson's letter-writing campaign, followed by Colorado. Numerous state legislatures followed suit. Michigan's ratification on May 7, 1992, which technically put it over the 38-state mark but in actuality it was the 39th as Kentucky's 1792 ratification having been overlooked. Damn you Kentucky. Signed Michigan. <laughs> so yeah, that. We are pleased to have Scott English with us today. Scott is the executive director of the American Philatelic Society. A little background. In 2003, Scott joined the administration of incoming South Carolina Governor, Mark Sanford, and held a variety of positions between 2003 and 2011, including Chief of Staff. It says here that one of your responsibilities was helping the governor find pigs for press conferences.
3: Uh, just once, but uh, <laughs> we did have a good time with it. Uh, the pigs <laughs> left a little evidence behind in the uh, state house in South Carolina, but... Uh, Yes, all in all, it was a good time. What were the pigs for? So we did a press conference that uh, railed against the General Assembly for their profligate spending uh, of uh, taxpayer dollars, especially when the state had a deficit that we needed to address. And Uh. we had vetoed enough money to cover the deficit for the year. And the General Assembly, or particularly the House of Representatives, overrode the vetoes in about 90 minutes. There was no debate. They just sort of ramrodded them all through. Mm-hmm. And uh, the governor thought a good way to demonstrate the foolishness of that was by bringing pigs the next day and pre- having a press conference right outside the doors of the State House uh, the State House of Representatives. So we were inside, <laughs> and uh, he brought the pigs. They, they were on the second floor, so he carried the pigs upstairs. <laughs> and just about the fourth step from the top uh, – one of them let loose and uh, it it was a mess that had to be cleaned up by our staff <laughs> well it sounds like sounds there, like what the house of representatives a, a joke did about how cheap he is and, and the fact that he that he was wearing a suit and it got on his pant leg and on his uh, <laughs> shoes and he still didn't get his pants dry clean till the end of the week
1: uh. <laughs> so you were like rob Lowe on west wing
3: right uh, yeah, someone like that. I uh, I covered a lot of different bases, but you basically just take care of business. That's what your job is. Mm. From 2011
0: to 2015, Scott served as the chief operating officer of the South Carolina Department of Education with a staff of nearly 950 people and a $4 billion budget. After a brief stop in Washington, D.C. to help U.S. Representative Sanford, was that to help with more pigs? <laughs>
3: Uh, No, we didn't uh, We we avoided the pigs on Capitol Hill (laughs) They have a little bit firmer rules about bringing livestock in Uh, (laughs) Well, they ought to They have enough pork
2: rolling around in
3: there
0: Mm -hmm. I was waiting for someone to say that (laughs) After that, Scott joined the staff of the American Philatelic Society in August 2015 So, Scott, did we miss anything?
3: Uh, No, the the, the oddity of hiring an executive director who's got nothing but a political background. I had uh, about 12 years of experience in Washington, D.C., working on the Hill, and 12 years in South Carolina working uh, for the governor and at the Department of Education. So uh, that's how I that was my entree into the, the American Philatelic Society is, oh, my gosh, he's not a collector, and he was in politics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well...
3: Um, so, I mean, that's that, that's basically the long and short of it. Of course, I was not a collector at the time that I started, but certainly I've become one. Yeah.
0: Well, since this is a stamp podcast, what is it that you collect?
3: So, I collect Cuba. That was an issue I worked on on Capitol Hill. So, I still have I have an interest in. Uh, in the country of Cuba. And so I collect really from the occupation period of the U.S. at the end of the Spanish-American War to the end of the Batista regime. Uh, I've gotten into collecting some covers that are censored between the U.S. and Cuba during the war. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, because I worked on Capitol Hill for so long, I am probably one of two people in the entire country that buy franked uh, covers from Capitol Hill, really not because of the names on the outside, but because of the letters inside. It's fascinating postal history to me.
1: Okay. Um, to us, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it,
3: the, the the interesting thing is I I bought and strangely enough, at Scopex here at, in the American Philatelic Center in uh, Belfont. Uh, last year, I bought a letter that was from a congressman from Wisconsin, a guy by the name of Jim Sensenbrenner, who had been chairman of the Judiciary Committee a while back. And he was often at odds with the U.S. Postal Service over various issues. And so he had gotten, I think, so frustrated with Lynn's coverage of the tiffs between he and the U.S. Postal Service that he wrote a letter to Lynn for them to publish, you know, arguing his case, mm-hmm. at which point the letter was, uh, was sent to the U.S. Postal Service, where they proceeded to write liner notes about how uh, his facts were wrong in the letter. How they had told him something again and again, and yet he missed it. And so I'm trying to dig into the issue a little bit, so I can understand really what's the, you know, what's the value of the letter in terms of the debate, and what are the, you know, the liner notes and whether they're factually correct. So that's one of the the, the fun things about when you open those letters up from a member of Congress, you can find any number of issues that were hot and heavy for them, or maybe for the country. And so that's kind of the neat thing of it.
0: Well, I hear there is a rather rare stamp coming to auction. Can you give us some of the backstory on that?
3: So we had, uh, in 1955, at a show in Norfolk, Virginia, there were a block of four stamps of the inverted Jenny. Uh, they were owned by a woman by the name of Ethel McCoy, who had, she purchased them in the 1930s. She was a, a uh, an early pioneer of female philatelist and was an airmail collector, very active in the airmail society as well as the APS. She would loan them to societies to show uh, at conventions and so we had a show in Norfolk and as it happens they were stolen. <laughs> the first one of the blocks appeared again in the 1970s. At that time she was on her deathbed and Jim DeVos, who was my predecessor as executive director went to visit Ethel and uh, convinced her to assign the rights of the stamps over to the library. Uh, and she did. And so that stamp that was uh, discovered was then brought back to the APS in 1981. Uh, Another was recovered in 1982. And then the case sort of went cold after that. In 2014, the library, uh, with the help of Mystic Stamp Company, who Don Sundman, who's the president of that, offered a $50,000 reward for each of the two missing stamps, which were positions 66 and 76. And last year we got a call from the philatelic foundation that they believed they had discovered number 76 so we uh we worked with the fbi and with the u.s attorney in new york city we uh confirmed that it was in fact number 76 we negotiated with the young man who brought it to spink innocently enough to sell it his claim is that he inherited from his grandfather who bought it at a sale in ireland if of all things and uh he happened to be he was from ireland he was uh and he brought it to spink in, in new york city to auction it off and they uh when they took it to get it expertized because it's a jenny uh all of a sudden you know the wheels are in motion so as it happens it was in april that we discovered the stamp we negotiated the return and we were able to have a press conference at uh the world stamp show in new york city in front of a jenny plane which happened to be there for another auction so it, it, you know the that stamp recovery story, as well as the one cent magenta, are probably the two most important philatelic stories that have uh, that have c- gotten coverage. I mean, on all six continents, or six of the seven continents. Antarctica doesn't have a newspaper, but uh, <laughs> on, on six of the se- six of the seven continents out there, and and really a huge international story. As luck would have it, we didn't have to pay nine and a half million dollars to get that kind of media coverage. Mm-hmm. We only had to pay fifty thousand dollars, but. Um, it really was important that Mystic put that reward up. It, it really helped ease the process, so we could set up what I would consider the perfect press conference, having that stamp returned by the FBI with him, uh, with the director of the FBI from New York City there, as well as the U.S. attorney and uh, you know folks from the Philatelia community, and then Keelan and O'Neill, who was the young man who uh, had the stamp. And so we had a great press conference. It got a lot of international coverage. We have two stamps we have two of the three stamps we sold one of the stamps in the 1980s uh we still have uh, a stamp in our possession that we show often at shows but we felt like number 76 the one that we just recovered um could go out to sale and the proceeds would then go to the american philatelic uh, research library so that auction is coming up in may in new york city uh, Siegel galleries is going to do the uh, our seagull auctions is going to do the um uh, uh, the sale of the stamp and uh we we are hoping to get somewhere in the neighborhood of about two hundred thousand dollars for the stamp all of which will go back toward the newly constructed library here in belfort
1: seems seems low seems like it would be worth more than that well the condition it, isn't
3: it, that great it, right it, it could be that i'm hoping that the bidding gets hot and heavy and everybody gets carried away with the amazing story that's behind it uh it's it's not in it's not in the best condition. You know, we, we, we saw the, mint, the best mint condition stamp from the Jenny Block go for $1.6 million in New York last year at the World Stamp Show. Uh, but it's not uncommon for them to range. The, 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 there are a couple of different things about this stamp. One is that the number that's traditionally on the back of a Jenny was erased because it was written in pencil, and so it was erased with an er- eraser, and that's that's removed some of the gum. And the top edge and the left side of the stamp have also been reperfed. The idea was that you wanted to modify it a little bit, e- eliminate the guidelines so that you could, to the naked eye, it would be impossible to determine that it was one of the stolen stamps.
2: Hmm.
3: So because of the conditioning of the stamp, it puts it at the lower end of the scale in terms of its value, but for us, I mean, honestly, we're, we're getting a great return on it because it's been wonderful promotion for the library and any of the proceeds that go back or that, that generate from the sale are, uh, are going to go to the library. I mean, I would certainly encourage folks to spend as much money as possible on the stamp because it's all going go to go to a good cause.
1: Also, you told me earlier that uh, Ms. McCoy only received a small little pittance
3: the The insurance payout for the for the stamps, I mean, even for the 1950s was uh, I consider a paltry sum. It was about twenty five hundred dollars uh, for the stolen stamps, and uh, you know, even adjusted for inflation, I mean, that's pennies on the dollar for what this is actually going to go to. And so, uh, you know, the stamp that that we recovered in 1982 went to auction at our show. Uh, in St. Louis, and it sold for about $125,000. So even, uh, you know, even if you adjusted that up for inflation over a, a 30-year period, you, you would be well south. I mean, that, and that's for the entire block. You'd be well south of what the actual value of that stamp is.
1: Mm
2: it's all about the story
3: but she she i mean she I, I i would imagine even till the day she died she would tell you she would rather have the stamps than the money she got for it instead because it, you know air, airmail stamps were her passion and she really really loved these stamps
1: <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely uh scott we're all big supporters of the aps here so scott what does the aps do
3: so, so here's the thing the the APS has been around for 100, almost 131 years. The the reason why it started to begin with is really the reason why we're still here today. Uh, the the collectors from all over the country, I mean, almost as soon as stamps were issued, stamp collectors started coming around. And what we discovered was that you had two issues going on. One is that you, you were uh, unable to find uh, stamps that would fill your collection as quickly as you would like. And the second thing is that, by, you know, stamp collectors were... Uh, being defrauded by people who were, you know, had bad intentions. So, the APS formed in 1886, really, so that you could protect people who wanted to have a good collection uh, and make sure that they were actually getting what they were paying for, and at the same time, connecting them with, with collectors all over the country, and. Uh, creating a bigger market. I mean, the guy in Des Moines, Iowa would never see an Indian stamp if it weren't for the fact that he was now a member of a national organization where someone from New York City or from California who has better direct access to those stamps would be able to, to show them. And so, but you fast forward 130 years, the way that we buy ourselves stamps has dramatically changed. Uh, and, you know, today buying on eBay is more common than it is buying at a stamp show or, uh, you know, in person at a stamp store. And so we're rele- our relevance is still there because of the knowledge that you get from being a member of the APS is really your protection against being defrauded. Uh, you know, if I go and buy a television on Amazon, then I have – it's a mass-produced – same standard development, uh, item every time you buy it. And so if I go and I get three stars because, and there's someone there who explains why they gave it three stars, two stars, five stars. But if you go to buy a stamp, there's so many different variables, the condition of the stamp, the color, the centering, uh, you know, the rarity of it, whether or not it may be rare to you, but it's not necessarily a rare stamp. And so, All of those things have got to be taken into consideration in order, you know, the APS has an education underlying mission to make sure that its collectors, regardless of what they collect, are able to gain information and be able to go out and buy as an educated consumer. And that's a dangerous thing given some of the stories that all of us have probably heard about people who've made purchases on eBay. Now, yeah, you can... Uh, return the stamp and get your refund, but that's assuming you even know that you've been ripped off to begin with and how many of us have probably bought something that we later learned we spent way too much money on. That happens on 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 a regular basis on eBay, not because necessarily there's somebody with bad intent, there are certainly bad actors there, but because there's just not enough knowledge going on between the buyer and the seller. We've got to protect the hobby and the best way to do that is through education. So The organization provides that, as well as the fact that we go out and promote the hobby. We continue to connect collectors all over the world. If you're buying from an APS member, then you know that, one, you're buying from somebody that has been vetted and you can trust. And in any event that they they take a bad act, then there's a consequence for that as well. And we can take disciplinary action against them. We've got your back to make sure that happens. Excellent.
2: Excellent. Now, how can they join the APS?
3: So we have a couple of different ways to join. One, I always encourage people to, if there's a stamp club nearby uh, that's a chapter of the APS, to to stop in. The second is you can go to our website, stamps.org, easy enough, uh, and we have a member application there. We we like for people to connect with collectors in the community. We want to build that grassroots. One of, some of the efforts we're working on right now are really trying to strengthen that. We have... Uh, In the stamp clubs that belong to the APS network, there's about 17,000 members internationally that are members of a local chapter. We have 31,000 members, so there clearly is a delta between people who are members of the APS and are not members of a local club. But, uh, you know, if you have a habit to feed and if you really have – you really (laughs) want to meet people who have a common interest, a lot of times getting to that club is a good way of doing it.
1: Yeah, we all Uh, have a a, – yeah, we all have a habit to feed (laughs) – (laughs) (laughs)
2: So now that I've joined the APS, what benefits does the APS provide other than access to obviously the research library and the educational benefits? Is there anything else that membership provides that would um, make my membership fee really worth it?
3: So the the single most commonly known benefit of APS members is the APS Journal. So you get the American Philatelist every month. We do 12 issues uh, every year. And that really is getting a lot of great research as well as connecting with the hobby, seeing what's happening out there. But it's not a magazine subscription. I just want people to understand that it, the journal is not just a magazine. I don't just to put fluffy articles in there. There's real research that happens every month. And... Those, those journal articles, you can go back to the 1950s to the 1920s, and you'll find research that's been done that will be, remain incredibly valuable to any collector today. We are working on digitizing that and putting that online. So anybody who's joining now is going to be part of that wave. Second to that is feeding the beast, right? I mean, we want to be able to buy and sell stamps. And so we we have created an Internet stamp store where you can uh, where you can sell stamps. A lot of times we all as collectors have – Uh, duplicates or we have uh, uh, other stamps that we don't, we, we bought a large collection but there's only a certain element of that that we want and then we want to dispose of the rest of it. The internet stamp store creates a way for you to do that. It's different from eBay because we basically take all of the uh, we take all of the real hard work out of your hands. We do the scanning. We do the fulfillment. You're really just submitting it and collecting a check. It, it, I know it sounds too good to be true, but if you go on our website at Stamps.org and look at that, you will see. It really is a great process for someone who's who's a novice at selling but and, and isn't going to make a business out of it. We also still do circuit sales. That was one of the original uh the stamp exchange was one of the original benefits of the a p s back in eighteen eighty six you You could trade stamps with other people now we do circuit sales where we have members who fill out a book uh and you can order it, have it sent to your house, you can sit there, and look at it, still you know buy it. Uh, Basically take a stamp out of it, and then you pay the APS. It's a great way as a member to also dispose of stamps If you don't mind a slower process for doing it some stamp collectors really like to have the stamps in their fingers Being able to look at the stamp see the condition of it without uh, any filter whatsoever And that's a great way of doing it Uh, the education programs. I think are important. We're developing an online library now so There will be an on-demand element that's coming very soon, which I think is an incredible ad. The library is fantastic. It's world-class. We promote uh, the hobby by doing two shows a year around the country. So we are going to be in Richmond, Virginia, for instance, in August. And that will be a very large show for us because we'll have traffic anywhere from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way up as far north as New York City that will travel to Richmond. And we'll have, uh, you know, hopefully over 100 dealers that will be there in order to, to that you can go and buy and sell stamps and start building some connections again within the community um, you can't go wrong with that we, we are really here to make sure that every day that you enjoy the business of being a stamp collector without having to do all of the other things that, that are riskier about the element we're trying to again create that safe space to buy and sell stamps and we want you to be able to be armed in every way that you can be in order to do that
1: Well, I'll just say I started off selling in the APS circuits, and uh, today I sell on eBay, but it was a great way to sell stamps and also a great way to find stamps. So anybody out there, that's a great reason to join the APS.
2: Outstanding. Thank
0: you, Scott. Thanks so much for being with us, Scott. This was really interesting.
3: Thank you all very much, and again, one last time I'll make a pitch. We have a Facebook page, we have social media, uh, Twitter. Uh, we also do uh, uh, regular updates on our Facebook page. Even if you're not a member of the APS, stop by stamps.org, uh, get familiar with the organization, check out all the free resources we make available to the public, and, uh, and you're welcome to, call, you know, to check in with us and ask questions. We work for the hobby. We don't just work for our members we work hard for our members but we also want to make sure that anybody who's a stamp collector has an opportunity to understand the benefits in any way that they need to
2: excellent so where can people meet you i know you get out uh, you get I, out a lot i travel
3: so. i travel all over the place i am um, uh, at a stamp show, stamp clubs, I did about 40,000 miles of travel last year, visiting with stamp collectors all over the country at shows and uh, and and speaking to chapters out there in the community. This year, it, it, I'm already starting to, <laughs> starting to see the miles racking up, and uh, I expect that by the time we get to the end of the year, I may either cross the 40,000-mile mark or go even higher than that. I'm also available online. I respond to everybody. So my email address is very easy to remember, and I want to give it out. It's scott, S-C-O-T-T, at stamps.org. And if you're a member of the APS, drop me a note. Tell me how I'm doing. If you're not a member of the APS but you want to know more information, drop me a note, and I'm happy to get back to you. I respond to everyone. Fantastic.
2: Thanks again.
0: Thank you, Scott. Thank you all very much. It's a it's a it's a I hate it when you you miss that editing and I have to hear me repeat the stupid stuff over again. I don't so, miss it. You don't, don't, I ask you every time, don't do that because it makes me sound
1: stupid. No, I leave it in only when it's entertaining.
0: It's not entertaining.
1: It's always
2: entertaining.
0: It's (laughs) it's redundant and lame.
1: But I agree, you shouldn't leave it in.
0: Yeah, don't leave it in. Come on. But it is entertaining.
1: If you're going to do that, just don't edit it. Just put it up. No, 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 no. Because there will be like four or five mistakes, and I'll keep one humorous one. Humorous to you, not necessarily to the person who makes it. Right, exactly. If you don't want it in there, then if you make a mistake just pause and redo it and don't have everybody comment on it because it's always I put it in because it's the comments which are humorous
0: if it's just a blah mistake
1: I edit it out
0: uh, but sometimes you don't sometimes I'll hear myself say something and sometimes I'll just hear myself say something exactly like that no oh,
1: well then that's just a mess up of editing that's what I'm talking about
0: okay yeah and when I screw up and it's funny that's different <laughs> We would like to thank the following for information used in this podcast, the American Philatelic Society and Mr. Scott English, its executive director. Also, check out good friend of the show, Tony Mancuso's website, BarneysStamps.com on eBay. He sells 19th and 20th century stamps at auction on eBay, with many starting as low as $1.99. We invite you to check out StampFinder.com, the Bloomberg of philately with great information on the stamps of the world and their values. Thank you for joining us for episode 119. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom and I'm your host Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of stamps, make comments and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com podbean.com iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast listening platform and as always keep collecting
2: this episode of stamp share here today is brought to you by the philatelic book of secrets the book that teaches you about reapers regums color varieties and much more get yours for ten dollars at www.philatelicsecrets.com
3: today